Do you consider yourself resilient? And what does that mean to you? In this podcast, Resilient Entrepreneurs with 241, we chat with business owners about what resilience means to them as they share their inspiring stories and life lessons. What we've learned running our own businesses, you're never alone, even when it feels like it. So tune in anytime to this podcast. We're always here for you, celebrating resilient entrepreneurs just like you. We're Lauren Vicky from 241, a marketing company for early stage business owners who want to launch, grow, and be resilient. Mm-hmm. Tracy, welcome to Resilient Entrepreneurs. Thanks so much. It's such a delight to be here. Oh, look, this is the podcast where we get to talk about the ups and downs of being in business and mm-hmm. discovering the cool things that other business owners do to get through or around or up and over, you know, any of the hurdles mm-hmm. and challenges that we overcome in business. So it's a real mm-hmm. uh, treat to to have you on the episode because I know you're going to have so much good advice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the more episodes we record, the more we realize that everyone has some adversity in life. Yes. It might be trauma, it might be grief. So uh, it's just sometimes that crazy stuff that happens in business that feels really challenging at the time. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess the key is just how to overcome it, how to find the gift in the pain and and use it to our benefit so that we can be better than than we already are. So we're looking to just dive into that today so Mm. just for background Tracy you're a relationship and personality psychologist yeah yes and you teach and use Enneagram as a tool to help people through difficult situations tell us how did you get into that and maybe more importantly why yeah sure my pleasure so I did psychology later in life in my 30s and uh, started off in child protection and a range of jobs. And then about 18 years ago, I came across the Enneagram and found it was the most profound, incisive tool to help people understand their inner worlds. So it was really useful for me to understand my inner world and why my, you know, why I had the um, responses in my family of origin that I did, why my mum and dad were as they were, why my future husband, you know, the differences between us. And it was so profoundly useful. I got I got really involved in it and trained extensively in the Enneagram here in Australia and overseas in America, presented at the conference, started a PhD around that. Um, and then put that on hold for a lot of good reasons and then just um, had a bit of a, a bit of a dip and then really had to think about what do I want to do and I've been in private practice for about 15 years and using the Enneagram and I thought I just want to fa- I want to fa- found my own business where it's just using the Enneagram but developed into a really comprehensive method that helps future-proof relationships and so I'm really passionate about that and I think the method is working and so I've been I um, founded the Insight Agency about four years ago and have been developing and testing this method called Couple DNA Method or it could be Relationship DNA Method, mother and daughter or you and anybody else, um, but to help you, to help two people really deeply understand themselves and the other person because we misjudge and we misunderstand and most many separations are not irreconcilable differences. They're misunderstood differences. And I want to stop that mis- misunder- those misunderstandings. Yeah. I am so intrigued already. I'm one of those type of people. I love to do the tests, personality oh, yeah. tests. I, I love anything to dig deeper into who I am. And, and I'm very always been fascinated about that. 
But tell us a little bit more about what Enneagram is. Like I, if for somebody who's never heard of it before, what is that? Yes, absolutely. If you look it up, it looks like it's a personality tool, but it's so much more than that. It's really a psychological and spiritual tool for personal transformation. And I don't use that word transformation lightly. I mean, it really, after 20 years of, of using it, it really does transform people's view of themselves and others in such a helpful way. But it's it describes nine life strategies, or you could call them personality types. I refer to them as Daniel Siegel does, who's a neuropsychiatrist, as personality developmental pathways. So each of us across the world, we've done you know millions, thousands, probably millions of interviews with people all around the world, and these nine personality developmental pathways or PDPs exist universally. So we fall into one of these pathways and it describes our inner world. If all of us in the world knew what our personalities were, we would realise that we're more similar across the world. You know, somebody that has the two personality development pathway in China is so similar to somebody in Syria or somebody in Japan or somebody here. It's a beautiful tool for recognising the sameness under the different strategies that we use to feel okay in the world. So nine different ways to feel safe and okay and loved in the world, really. But they're often taught as personality types, but it is more than that. And it, it's not about categorising and putting people in a box. It's saying, wow, do you realise there's actually a developmental pathway that drives you that's unconscious that you probably didn't know, most people don't know. And once you know it, it's so revealing and your life makes sense. And it's such a human need for our lives to make sense. And when that makes sense, we can just things in us like the shaken globe just can settle a little bit. And then, of course, there's the invitation for growth. So it's not just saying, so this is your developmental pathway, this is it. It explains from temperament right through to adulthood why you have the developmental pathway you do. Lots of science behind this now, and I care deeply about that too. And a growth path of these are the things that this is your superpower and this is your gift, and we will have one or a few of those. And also this is the challenge and this is the area to, to work on. And for all of us, it's about presence, really. Can we all be more present, more conscious? Yeah, I could see that it could be really useful for people who are searching for a purpose, searching for an understanding mm. of their business, why, you know, what they're going to do yeah. within their business. Because when you lead, we know that when you lead your business with purpose, yes, it tends to be more impactful and more successful over the long, the long haul. So is it also a way that people can, when they learn this about themselves, yeah. like, is it useful in how they then move on to create their purpose and to move forward in that? Like, is it useful? Yeah, absolutely. Because it describes in the most spiritual way, it actually describes the barriers to love and to God, whatever people think of as God, but it actually is the things that get in the way of us being our best selves. So each of the personalities believe, have core beliefs around, I have to be like this in the world to be okay, and they're driven by that. And so the ego, so it's nine ego states, are constantly telling us, don't be like that, be like that, don't say that. It just worries and constantly giving us messages of how to be, and often the messages are really unhelpful, they're, they're not self-compassionate, they're not compassionate, and they get us into trouble. They're automatic sort of behavioural strategies that get us into trouble. So when we know our primary ego's way and we can take the best of that and say, yes, this is really important to me um, and these are the areas I have to work on, it just really helps you to have clarity, I, I think, around, well, around purpose. Yes, around purpose. So maybe a good example is 
It's used extensively now in the Enneagram Prison Project, which I'm on their advisory board and I care deeply about. So it's used in, in, in some of the most hardened prisons in America where any uh, very experienced Enneagram teachers go in and run a program and those um, that are incarcerated that come out, the recidivism rates drop from something like 75% to 5% because they've discovered why they did what they did and put that all together in a way that they can see the best in themselves yet again. They understand why they did what they did and they could find a new purpose. And then they're coming out now and teaching the Enneagram and going back into prisons. And, of course, the Enneagram's used in leadership extensively. Hmm. That's fascinating. That's And, and what incredible results. I mean, for yes. those percentages to, yes. to reduce recidivism and... Wow. Yes. That's really staggering, Tracy. There's the whole nurture and nature conversation that happens. Yeah. And I can't yeah. help but wonder how much of the nurture factors into this. How can there only be nine types? And we all mm-hmm. grow up through such different backgrounds. And I guess, you know, there's probably multiple questions in this, but you know, a lot of the time we'll say, well, I'm like this because that happened to me as a child. Yes. And then we get to choose, well, do we want that to be our future as well as adults or are we willing to work through, through work with it and not let it hinder us for the rest of our life? That's one way of kind of addressing psychology and, and issues. Yeah. But this sounds quite deeper. It It is... It is, Vicky, and um, there's a brain study group in America that's led by some of the world's best Enneagram teachers um, and some scientists and Daniel Siegel, who's a neuropsychiatrist and is all about attachment and how we grow up and how personality is formed to some degree. And this group, like myself, are looking at how do we explain temperament, like how when we're born and temperament through to personality. How do, where does personality come from? And so I think those of us in the Enneagram Enneagram world would all agree that we it's not like we're born with the the Enneagram pathway but we are certainly born with a temperament and so a lot of that temperament that we're born with has to do with whether we're more extroverted or introverted whether we're more forward moving or moving away whether we're more high energy or low energy and also importantly um, we have three centers of intelligence so head heart and gut ways of taking information in from the world and it seems to be that even little ones the studies that have been done on one and two year olds we can see that we seem to very quickly lead with one over the other so you put that bit of information together and then that starts to lead you on a trajectory or personality development or pathway So if you are a little one that's born leading with emotional intelligence and is extroverted and is forward moving and has high energy, they're likely to form the developmental pathway that's about connection is my core motivation and I'm going to do everything I can to keep relationships and be helpful giving and serving. And so to do that, I need to push my own needs down and just focus on yours, which is beautiful and it's all about love, but they leave themselves out. You've just described my daughter to a T, ah. like everyone. I was like, yep, yep, tick, yeah. tick, tick. She's yeah. only nine. She's only nine. Uh, so, you know, uh, she doesn't have relationships uh, like that yet, but it'd be interesting to keep that in mind to make sure. And, yeah. And Laura, my, my girl has as well. We've known she has the two patterns since she was two. And we've watched that develop and how that works. And I've had the privilege now of doing this for 20 years of watching children grow up and watching the difference in their behaviours and what they care about and how they respond to things. And 
incredible. I mean, you often don't, it's harder to work out the personality until they may be in their early teens, but still sometimes you can see it when they're little. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I guess there's positive and negative um, side effects of each of those ego yes. lines. So the positive is that you're a giver and you're caring and you may even yes. become a carer or a nurse, yes. for instance. But then I guess there's a downside of never putting yourself first and yes. maybe be even becoming codependent because you need other people to to make you feel, yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting but the, because the core beliefs are so strong and they're formed early and somewhere in the conditioning, which is what you were getting at in terms of nurture, somewhere in the conditioning that somehow gets cemented. And so depending on, say, it is that little girl with the true developmental pathway, if she's really rewarded for that helpfulness, then that conditioning will impact on the two pathway. It doesn't create it, but it impacts on it. If all of her helpfulness doesn't work and her life strategies, the best of what she knows to do, are not appreciated, not appreciated over time, you're going to see some really significant mental health problems. So it's really predictive as well. Also and, important and it, for parents then to understand yes. how to react to certain situations. Yes. And if they've got a little child that's a two, has a two pathway and then the eight pathway, which is all about it's my way or the highway, and they might not understand each other and they might not understand those two children. And so when, when you look through the lens of this, it's incredibly helpful. So at some point I really want to do the couple work, but I will take it into later high schools and then eventually to prep because I think there's some work we need to do here in terms of people understanding just differences in a beautiful, simple way to honour them. Difference is beautiful. Difference is the attraction that needs to be honoured. Yeah, and it's funny, like you talk about in schools where teens, you know, their their driver is to be in the community of their friend group, right? And it's really important that everybody likes me and we're all the same and they kind of amalgamate into the same kind of person with the same kind of clothes and backpacks and hairstyles and, you know (laughs) what I mean, to be very inclusive in that. But yet if, if teenagers can get the message that they're all unique and their way is just their way and this is their superpower within that, that they can grow up to. I think that's powerful change that could happen in the most sort of crucial time in life where they're just starting to learn who they are and what they want to do with the rest of their life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I've had, I work with a lot of couples and often they'll say, this is so great. I want to bring my teenagers. And so then I see the teenage, not that I normally work with teenagers anymore. And I see the teenagers and we work out their pattern. There's one lovely young boy that I work with that I thought initially you might've had the four, the six pathway, which is sort of looking for, looking for where things can go wrong in life and, and overly predicting a threat. And it turned out he didn't. He had the four pathway, which is all about authenticity and wanting to be unique and and lots of intelligence behind that. And if I'm different in some way, then people want to connect with me because I'm not just like everybody else. And so for him as a 16-year-old boy to learn he had the four pathway meant that he because part of the the, e, the the four ego will say, stand back, stand back, you know, just wait for people to come to you. And if people come to you, then that proves that, you know, that they want to connect with you. And so, of course, then what happens is that the person with the four pathway looks like they're aloof and they look like they're not wanting to connect. And he hadn't realised, he absolutely, he, he said immediately, I do that all the time. So inviting him to step forward, in, even though it was scary and it's uncomfortable and it feels counterintuitive, can he step forward? And he's been doing lots more of that and making lots more friends and, again, finding his purpose. He's doing music because he's got he's all about depth. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, it's so lovely. 
Yeah, yeah. And using a superpower, which is give him anything and he'll find the depth in it. And he leads with his heart. So three of the personalized lead with their head, three leads, three lead with their heart, and three lead sort of with gut intelligence. But um, yeah, a different primary motivation for each center. How would you apply this to business? I mean, we, you know, our audience is a lot of um, solopreneurs, yeah. people who are working on their own, but still obviously working in the community with clients and other partners and vendors. Yeah. So how, I, I can only imagine that this helps to build resilience in some way. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting because maybe to answer the question, the, the invitation maybe to, to talk about resilience, but, and then maybe answer the question about using an organisation, so that's all right, Vicky, because it's yeah. used in organisations all over the world and I've used it a bit in organisations here. My great passion is personal relationships. But I think in terms of resilience, I think it's about the capacity to, well, a lot of everything comes for me back to being able to be present, but to be able to be self-aware and be self-compassionate and to be able to self-regulate. I think, I think those three things are really powerful. And I think if we can do that, then we'll be resilient. And, and I love, I don't know if you've heard of wonderful Michael Singer, who's a spiritual teacher, um, and I'm just listening to his podcast all the time. He's fabulous. And he says, you know, and it's about sort of getting the ego out of the way, or as I would talk about it, and he says that really spirituality is about can you handle it? And for me, that's what resilience is. Can you handle it? There's a lot of traffic and you're running late. Can you handle it? Can you handle it? Can you be okay? And I think if we have self-awareness and we know why the ego is driving us and we can have a little chat to it and say, thank you very much, but that's not very helpful right now. <laughs> and you can bring self-compassion in and you can regulate your nervous system. For me, that's resilient. And so then maybe bringing that into organisations, I think it's still about can we be all more self-aware? Because we do... There is so much reactivity in the world, which distresses me to see that. So much automatic reactivity and people struggling to even understand what's going on in them, let alone to understand it, let alone to then um, make sense of it and then be able to regulate it. And so I think for people in organisations to the business owners to be able to do that for themselves is profoundly important. And then to be able to help their clients do that or leaders if they're executive coaches, but for the, the leaders to do that um, and then be mentors to other people in that because we co-regulate each other. Our nervous systems, you know, if we can co-regulate each other, that would be a really great world rather than setting each other off. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it's a bit under- of a long answer really, but. No, but it's understanding, right? It's understanding each other a little bit better and often most arguments issues arise because of misunderstanding yes yes absolutely and I've been working with couples married 10 20 30 years and they come in and then once they work out their two developmental pathways and I draw it all up on the board and it kind of it all makes sense and we we look at their primary needs and their core wounds and vulnerabilities and we piece all that together with their pathways I'll say oh my god and, 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 you know, I'll be able to help them learn that no wonder your wife was doing this and no wonder the other person was doing that. So it brings in a no wonder rather than a blame in a way that most couples will say to me, we've been misunderstanding for a decade. Why didn't we know this when we were younger? And it's it's quite heartbreaking. And so the work I'm doing is to try and bring it pre-marriage, bring it earlier in because that's what everybody's asking for. But people, when they're in love and in those early days, they don't realise that they 
maybe needed and they don't want it they, they just think this is the way it's going to be and but but stresses happen and maybe children come along and that this self-awareness is utterly important it sounds like when you get a car license you have to do the test before you get your license <laughs> can we not make this the test before you get your marriage license like you got to do this first so you understand each other and then you can get married then we're gonna you know it's just wow. good. It's just sensible. It's just sensible and it's good psychology. And we have no education in relationship. None in, you know, maybe not none, but little in schools. And I really think it can start with little preppies, just talking about feelings and needs and the other person's needs and how you feel feelings and needs in your body and really starting to bring that into the curriculum because really conflict, all conflict is to do with poorly expressed needs. It's the strategies that we're using to meet our needs and the strategies of one person clashes with the other person's needs. And we can cut through that really quickly when we know the personality development pathways of two people and we know their primary needs. Just really can, and their core wounds, we all have wounds. And to know that, that it's so predictive and predict where the rubs will be and prevent them. Or at least when the, when the rubs come up, we can be healing agents for one another and rather than step on each other's wounds, but actually go, oh, I get why that's so important to you and I know what you need. We've talked about this and I know that it's not a hug you need right now. It's it's verbal reassurance or it's space or it's that you've predicted and you know what each other needs and you're healing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's profound. That is so yeah. And it makes not a good argument for the more need of more mental health, just general in yes. society. Yeah. We go to see our doctor whenever we have anything that goes wrong, but how many of us get to go and see a therapist when there's a trauma yeah. that needs to be healed? And more of this is just yeah. needed generally. I'm a big, strong believer in it and, um, yeah. and hope to see much more of it yeah. in the future so that we can start healing these things and understanding each other and just understanding ourselves. I'm having this yeah. problem. I'm expressing it this way because of this deep wound that I haven't dealt with. Yeah. Deal with the wound can kind of resolve the problem. Yeah, it is, but it's just that lack of understanding. Ooh. So how yeah, are we going to get more of this out there? <laughs> well, I'm really passionate about it. I was saying to Vicky because I'm stuck in the 1970s and all my business is word of mouth, um, but I'm, tra I'm training. I'm about to train therapists in the Enneagram because they're slowly, I did the PhD because I wanted to show its clinical efficacy and put that on hold for a number of reasons, but they're starting, a lot of psychologists are coming to me, how do I train in this? So it's such a delight because I think it's the missing piece in, in relationship work. And sometimes, possibly in, in some therapeutic work, because when therapists understand themselves deeply, it, it helps even more so to understand where there might be transference. It brings even more compassion in. It brings understanding more quickly. Um, like I can have somebody come into the room and because I've done about two and two and a half thousand personality interviews, I quickly get up people's energy. So I'll often just know their personality just by kind of looking at them and the energy go by energy and eye contact and language and a whole range of things that gets codified but yeah so it's mostly looking for their superpower I, I think my, my thing is I can see value in people I love that that's my passion and I want people to see their own value and I want their partners to see their value and see the best in there I think you rise to that don't you when when mm. someone does see your value I think you rise to that yeah. as well because you want that's to lovely. see yourself yeah in somebody else's yeah. eyes I, I think that's really cool 
So yeah. should we do it, Laura? Should we try? Should we put Tracy in the hot seat and have her call call our number? <laughs> you know, I want to know. Like, I, I want to know, know so bad. I can <laughs> see it. What do you think, Tracy? Are you up for it? I can ask a couple of questions. And so sure. we're an open number, book. Isn't this? Yeah. And that's telling in itself. That's good. Ah. <laughs> everything's telling. Everything's telling. Um, and, and I mean that with the deepest respect. Like, it, you know, I never want mm -hmm. to sound like it's stereotyping because it's not. And that would be uh, an unethical use of, of it. It and would be a circus things. act. <laughs> yes. And, oh, please don't. Yeah, absolutely. For everybody listening, it's not about, oh, you're a two, you're a seven. It's yeah. please can we do this with, oh, no wonder that was important to you. I get it. I know what you said might have been upsetting, but, wow, I get it. Um and so the way that people often find out their personality is through um, an online test. And some of those are pretty good, like Russ Hudson's and Jerry Wagner's and Beatrice Chestnut. But all of the online tests and these wonderful authors and teachers I know would say, you're still blind to your own stuff. And so you can answer it, but there's blind spots. So the self-report surveys are really limited. And so we've been teaching for probably the last 40 years, started from America, but a gold as gold standards as you can get in something like this, but an, an interview process where we ask a set number of questions. Usually they're pretty similar between all Enneagram teachers that ask questions related to each of the nine patterns. And it's fascinating because I've done so many, but so about two and a half thousand. It, there is a pattern in the way people answer. It's amazing. And so one of the personalities used, and I won't say, okay, it might be Vicky's, but they, there's certain language that people use and you look for that. So even it used to be an hour-long interview process would do but now I can usually do it in just 10-15 minutes just to make sure um so I'll ask you a couple of questions each if you like sure just definitely make a guess so Vicky for you how important is freedom to you it's free it's important yeah now how important like one to ten you mean scale yeah. of one to ten and what it means See, you to just you. did that. I, I felt that you just did that then. <laughs> it's all data collection. Um, <laughs> so freedom for me, I would say, you know, what I consider freedom, I need to feel free. I'd say it's up there. I'd say eight or nine. Yeah. And what's it like if you feel limited or trapped in some way? Trapped, yeah. That's a word that's come up in my life a lot. Yeah. So it um, it's it's suffocating. And I feel like a caged animal and yes. I will do whatever it yeah. takes to find another way. I, I make change. I'm a, I like change because yeah. that way I can manage my outcomes. Yeah. And I imagine that you're very visionary, maybe happy for other people to, to do maybe some more of the detail things sometimes, but I bet you're very visionary and can synthesize information very quickly. I think so, yeah. And can see the big picture. Yeah. I'm a big yeah. picture. And care about fun. Oh, yeah. Yep. And need to keep your mind stimulated and keep to keep things being interested in variety. You've got me. You've got me. What's the number? <laughs> I'm not over here. Like, yep, yep, yep. Because <laughs> you work together so you know. And, again, it's uh -huh. an energy, you know. It's, so I'd look at the seven developmental pathway, Vicky, and the superpower of the seven is that they come into this world and they're a breath of fresh air. They're this spark of awe and joy. They see awe in the water. They love to travel. Do you love to travel? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love to travel. Yeah. <laughs> love travel and love nature. Yes. 
nature. Yes. And we could all say we love travel and love nature, but there is a certain way that Seven's answer those me. questions. It's it feed yet yeah, feeds you. Yeah. And this for the seven person, it's don't box me in, don't limit me, don't just give me one choice. Life is a spectrum of possibilities, and I want a bit of this and a bit of that. And and it's a wonderful energy. It's it's creative, it's bright, it's positive, it's optimistic. Hey, thanks. That's I think where you're sitting. That's yeah, exciting. yeah. So you Feels can have good. a little little read. I will. Um, and then Laura for you. And and so one of the things, I think Vicky, you probably lead with cognitive intelligence. Well, if it's the seven pathway, you lead with cognitive intelligence. So it's this capacity to be strategic and 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 uh, logical and rational. Vicky, I think you, uh, Laura, sorry, I think you probably lead with your heart. And probably. <laughs> yeah, and so there's three different ways. So the core motivation for people, like so for Vicky, it's security. But security looks like don't box me in, keep the variety, keep the fun happening. I feel secure in that way. For you, Laura, I think it's more about um, connection. Connection's the core mot- motivation. And it's whether it's connecting via being helpful and giving and serving, although you recognise that in your daughter, whether that's a pattern in you, or whether it's about achieving. And if I'm achieving and I feel really competent and I've got goals and I'm reaching the goals and I, I feel like I'm doing well in life and my relationships are important as well, it may be the three pathway. Yeah, yeah. The, I was nodding to all of that. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just the questions to, to work out two, three or four. But the four pathway, and I got a hit, little bit of a hit of that earlier with you, but authenticity is the big thing for the fours, that we're all unique. And you said that about if the Enneagram was all over the world. So there's a difference, though, between two, three, and four. So the two is usually very positive and forward-moving. The three can be when they're not so conscious. It's more rushing, rushing to the goals, getting things done, ticking off the things on the list. It feels so great. And the four is more about knowing that they're different and depth. I want deep conversations. Don't give me small talk. I want deep conversations. And I see beauty. I love beauty, whether it's a sunset. And so my mood can go up with that. And then my mood can go down depending. Most definitely. I'm an artist. So yeah, absolutely. Uh Everything is art, nature. Yep. Sunsets. Yes, yes, yes. The the Mm -hmm. four pathways often referred to as the artist. Isn't that amazing? Or the romantic. The other thing that I love to say, your business partners, is that one of the, and not that, please know that it's not about any personality is better with any other one. Absolutely not. Two good people with good hearts are, are together. But I so frequently see the four and seven pattern, the four and seven wow. together. And it's a great combination in business or romantic relationships, any combination is. But what you have is the seven usually is the point of lightness and fun and, and visionary and optimistic and the four is the depth. Let's make this deeper. And so it's a, a lovely, a lovely synergy. Yeah, I think that we've complement each other extremely well as business partners. Yeah, from day yeah. one, we recognized that that that's we were very well matched. That's Best relationship I've ever been in. Oh, that's <laughs> and that's, of course, not to say, of course, Vicky, you can do depth. And of course, Laura, you can do fun and enjoyment. But that's it. It's, it's knowing the developmental pathway and then becoming more becoming more of who you actually already are. So we've got all nine in us. We're just overly doing one pathway. When we identify it, we become more flexible. And um, so the seven can learn to sit a bit more in suffering maybe, which is hard because pain is not fun. And the four (laughs) can learn sometimes to be light, you know, light and 
um, and see see so much meaning in in in, in mundane moments. Um, so it's a growth path. Yeah. And what's the superpower of the four, Tracy? So the superpower of the four is that they they um, can sit in people's suffering. So an end-of-life nurse or in a critical situation, the four can sit in that. They can hold space. I often, I've got a fireplace in my agency. I often put my hand against the fireplace and just say the four can keep their hand there and they're okay with it. Most other personalities are keeping their hand out here. You know, who wants to get too close to that? But the four can do that because there's depth in that. There's meaning in that. So the four brings, looks for depth and meaning in everything. So any conversation, and if there's not depth and meaning in something, they don't want to be there. You know, you really, so you can bring depth. So one of my closest dear friends is has the four pattern. So I don't want to say our four has the four pattern. And I can give her any of my work and she'll extract more depth from it. And I just say, that's amazing, you know. So it's a, a superpower in terms of seeing beauty. But sometimes for the four, it's about them seeing that in themselves, mm. not just outside themselves. I'll tell you, it's hard to network as a four because it's that yes. superficial conversation yes. thing of like the getting to know you. Yes. I don't I don't like that. I don't enjoy that at all. No, you don't. And Vicky would be probably comfortable with that and brilliant at that. So again, it's usually like the seven personality is it's charming, it can move in the crowds, it it, it has great stories, tells stories and mm-hmm. um yep. but good She's... to know that about yourself, Laura. Mm, that that's that's, that's a that's a growth edge. But yeah, and uh, yeah, but it's it's beautiful that you bring depth to all of us. You know, you both have a gift to the world or enjoy and depth. How lovely. Yeah, so. and I think that's why I've fallen in love with podcasting so much, because it uh-huh. is deep conversations, interesting yes. conversations with interesting people like you. <laughs> and I love it. Like this, right. I could do this for the rest of my life and nothing else. Yes. And I'd be so happy. Oh, shall we absolutely. Shall we do that, partner? I'm going to do that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. I'm not stopping yeah. anytime soon. <laughs> it's great. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some question that we often ask podcast guests is about failure and failure mindset. Do you have a mm. view on that? <laughs> it's an interesting question for me. So I have the the three developmental pathway and I've known that and worked with that for 17 years. I'm still a work in progress. So, you know, you teach what you need to learn. Um, but the three, if you read about the three personality, the three ego is all about present as competent, present as successful. It's all about presentation, chase the goals and never fail. And so there's a great fear in the three personality about failure, like a like a really huge fear where they can go into a panic about it. It's been my work and to define for myself what success means, I guess, and I think that's what helps me with failure because I thought a bit about failure and I think the best way for me to talk about it is in terms of what success would mean to me and it's not the word success resonates for a lot of threes. It's never really resonated for me. It's always felt a bit uh, superficial in some way but I think for success for me would be at my funeral if if everybody spoke about me in a way that I uh, that I was that I had been in their life I'd been present uh, I had made them feel good about themselves when when I was around them and that I had to self-regulate and that I was I guess a, a, a loving force and that that was authentic and so the growth path for the three is about being authentic 
So in the hurry to the, the core belief is about um, never fail, hurry to the goal. And the core motivation is connection. So if I'm success, the core belief is if I'm successful, I'll connect. But of course, it doesn't work like that. You're so busy racing for the goal that you're not present to those that you love, you get impatient because they're not as efficient as you. So my work has been to slow that all right down, pace myself, which I, I do pretty well these days at 58. I have to, but I pace myself really well, I think. And um, and I, yeah, I, I care deeply about becoming more conscious and, and, and being present. I'd like to see more of that in the world. And so the word failure doesn't resonate as much for me anymore. Failure for me, I suppose, is like yesterday morning when I got was get, I could feel myself getting impatient in the traffic. And uh, Michael Singer, can you handle it? You know, so it's still always having to work with it. Um, but the threeness is still there in me. But what's important? It's a great mindset. So any advice for people? Yeah. I can only imagine the advice will be learn your Enneagram path and <laughs> work with it. <laughs> um, but, you know, what is... Yeah. What is a person to do if they're in business and they feel like they're maybe on a slippery slope where things aren't going the way they'd planned and they're looking mm. to build a bit of resilience and, mm. you know, what kind of thoughts mm. might you share with someone in that situation if they were just looking to to pick themselves back up and get back yeah. on track? Yeah, that's a really wonderful question. It's a really important question. And I've had a couple of clients that have come to me beautiful clients that have in their own mind failed in business and have wondered about how to get back on track and have just lost all confidence. And so with them, I had worked, because it's what I do, I had helped them work out which development pathway they had, which is working out, understanding why they had the struggles that they had. So in terms of making sense of that was really important and maybe making sense of relationship with business partners or clients along the way, that was really helpful for them. And then I guess to understand that they do have a superpower and what that is and how can they do the work coming up, whether it's staying in the same business or changing in a way that really aligns with who they are. And who they are is not the developmental pathway. Who they are is just everything, the whole universe inside each of us. But, you know, to, to bring it down, certainly all nine pathways. And sometimes we need to take on the strength of an eight and say, no, I don't like it, don't do that. That's kind of the eight path. Or to be leaning in and, and generous like the two. Or to make things light like, like the seven can do. There are all nine ways of, of, of being able to, to manage life. And so I think knowing that you actually have all those resources in you and can you use more of those resources and know what your superpower is and know that your ego is probably giving you a really hard time. And can we have a bit of a chat to that? And I still take mine out for coffee, my three ego that says, you're not writing your book fast enough. And I say, I just want to stare at the wall. I just want to do yoga. You know, it's just that it's talking to it sometimes, you know, and I just help people, I think, to, to do that. And uh, and it's very loving and it's very compassionate and, and helping them to be more self-compassionate. We all need more of that. Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're often so tough on ourselves, so hard on ourselves when we don't meet the expectations we set for ourselves or something like a pandemic comes and throws everything out the window and and we have yeah. to shift and move and pivot and change. And um, and we often just are the hardest on ourselves. And why aren't I successful yet? And why haven't I become a millionaire? I'm putting in all these hours yet. And, you know, we have all these things that I think are very normal 
but we could be a little bit more self-compassionate. I think um, yeah. the world would be a much nicer place. We'd all be a little happier, oh. a little more relaxed and, and perhaps get yeah. more done, you know, not spinning <laughs> in the negativity, right? That's it. You know, if there's more ease, it's not about the three way of efforting your way through. That's been the hard learning for me. Can I fall back in the arms of the angels? Can I let grace move through me? And if I'm efforting so hard, if all of us are efforting so hard, sometimes we just need to go for a swim or do something to let flow and let, you know, I like to say, you know, talk about God spiritually, but you know, grace of God or grace move through us. Just give ourselves space for that. And to know it's our ego with its um, illusionary core beliefs that are driving a lot of what's happening. If you know that voice, you can, there's a higher part of us that can talk back to that and, and, and maybe uh, come up with some wisdom that's needed at the time. Yeah. Exactly. We should all listen Come a little stiller, a little quieter. Yes, um, yes. Listen to ourselves. Learn more about ourselves and each other mm. in our relationships, whether that be a business relationship or a personal relationship. I really appreciate you, especially mm. you going into Vicky and I's. That was so <laughs> awesome. It's really I'm nice excited. to learn a little bit more. I kind of knew everything. You were, you were just like nailing it. I was like, that's Vicky. Absolutely. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, it really was fun. I really mm -hmm. enjoyed having you um, on the podcast. Thank you My so pleasure. much for <laughs> such a fabulous conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, we know that you're writing a book. So mm -hmm. look out uh, for a book um, from B Tracy Baker Lawrence soon. And we will shout that out. Perhaps we'll have to have you back on again after you've uh, launched it. And we'll have okay. another conversation. How's that sound? Thank you. That's lovely. I'd love that, Laura. Thank you. Yeah, so. thank you. Thanks, Tracy. Yeah. This has been my great. great pleasure. <laughs> it's lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. So thanks for joining us on Resilient Entrepreneurs. We're Laura and Vicky from Two for One. We love supporting entrepreneurs, especially with mindset, marketing, and motivation, which is why we've built an incredible community of business founders who meet weekly in the Level Up League. If you'd like to know more about it, look us up at 241branding.com.